feels kind of strange to be around someone who boasts, doesn't it? You know anyone who likes to kind of toot their own horn? They like to kind of be the center of the stories or the hero of the stories or just talks a lot and it's all awesome stuff that's going on in their life kind of all the time. What goes on in your brain as you're around people like that? What's the commentary, kind of the ticker tape going across your, your brain screen? You kind of have trouble believing it all, right? Really, are they that strong? Are they that awesome? Are they that, you know, they just hit home runs and grand slams and everything and, and all parts of life all the time? You just kind of go, that's not real. Wow, I, I hope that person can relax a little bit because really being real is to say, yeah, God's given me some gifts and some strengths, but wow, life is not easy. I'm not always very competent to handle all the things that life throws at me. A marriage, having kids, or being employed, or just living in this world, you know, it's, it's something, there's something so much more magnetic and attractive about someone who's humble, right? Why can you honestly thank God for Frank from the bottom of your heart? Because he's a humble man. Because he's learned through his life as he's walked with Jesus that if he increases and Christ increases in his life, that just fills his life. He gets to see how God uses him. He gets to build a family on that same foundation. It's about Christ. And you see less and less of Frank and more and more of Christ. Those are the kind of people we're attracted to, right? Don't you long to be a person who can rest humbly in the greatness of God without having to think you're great? Well, that's what this morning is all about. How do we really embrace and receive the strength of God so that we can face whatever things come our way in life, whatever circumstances surround us? How do we do that humbly before God and be inviting his strength all the time? Well, that's what this morning's about. We're in this series called Jesus, Our Everything. And really it was what God placed on my heart because a lot of times we look to other things or other people in this world to fill us up. And we find that that's empty and sometimes we forget that it's going to Jesus, answering his invitation every day, every day that he can be our everything. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we started off with Jesus, our good shepherd, remember? And we camped out in Psalm 23, that this good shepherd calls us to lie down by green pastures. He fights off our enemies. He, he gives us an overflowing cup and he gives us community and, com, you know, a, a supper and a meal with him in the presence of difficulties or even enemies. What a good shepherd. And then last week, it was Jesus, our rest. Remember Jesus' famous words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, like heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And I'm going to give it to you for your soul, not just, you know, kick back in a hammock for a few hours, but then good luck because you're going to have to face all that junk the rest of the week or the rest of your life. He goes, rest for your soul at a heart level where your decisions and your emotions have their seat, that at that level, I'm going to give you rest. So even when world, your life, your world is crazy, you can have his rest. You can have his peace. The very things the world or the enemy steals from us so often. And this morning is about Jesus, our strength. Because this world and our own sin and issues we face can make us feel so weak. But in reality, instead of feeling bad about that, we embrace it and we look to Christ to actually be our strength for us. So that's where we're headed. So open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at Paul and a couple statements that he made and what Jesus said to him in response to a prayer that he prayed. So kind of a 
Just a short passage, but boy, just power-packed. And it's in response, if you know kind of Paul's train of thought through the second book of uh, Corinthians, the second letter to that church there, you know, he's defending his apostleship because he always had enemies and he had people that were second-guessing his motivations and his, his methodology, if you will. And he just, he talks honestly and freely, but he gets to this chapter and instead of boasting about what he could boast about, he in fact turns the table on his critics and he lets the people at Corinth know if we're going to boast, we should be boasting about our weakness because then you get to see the power of Christ. He didn't want to lift himself up, he wanted to lift Christ up. He was trying to show that Christ, when he increases, can give us power when we're feeling weak or having hardship or persecution. And so we're going to read starting in verse 7. And I think you might feel included as you hear these words. So Paul is speaking. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Classic passage. A couple of things that we can learn. The first is this that we all deal with weaknesses and thorns. Now, he's describing a pretty intense list, right? And even earlier in the chapter, and if you know Paul's different uh, letters to the churches, you can put all this together, that he probably had a pile of persecution and hardship and sorrow and suffering we couldn't even get close to. But in the midst of that, he's calling out on the grace of God and saying, if I'm going to boast about anything, I want you to know he's the one that keeps me going. He's my strength when my strength is gone. He gives me joy in the sorrow. He gives me a light heart even when there's hardship and weight. So we're in good company when we feel like we've gotten the raw end of the deal and something at work or a relationship tension just doesn't get solved or we have wounds from our sin or the sins of others that plague us and hold us back or poison relationships. We're really in good company. He understood and uh, because of his revelations, now we know he had that face-to-face -face revelation on the Damascus Road. Remember that? He was a persecutor of the church first. He was locking up Christians. He was having them killed because he was against Jesus as the Messiah. He was into the law and understood that we need to keep the law before God perfectly. And yet he couldn't, he didn't, he couldn't see his need for Christ until he met him face-to-face. And on that Damascus road, he was humbled. He was humbled through a direct encounter with Jesus himself. And from that point forward, he understood he was a privileged person. Privileged to see Christ and then privileged to be a servant. And ultimately, he gave his life in martyrdom, being faithful to Christ and to the cross and to the kingdom. But he's laying out these words. You know, we see this weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. And he was... He was beaten up so many times he probably couldn't keep track. 
he was shipwrecked. He was food. He had, you know, he was without clothes and food at times as he was stripped and beaten and thrown outside of cities. He gets pain. He understands suffering. He really understands when the heart is sorrowful and you're on your bed weeping. Paul got it. Paul understood even much more than we do about suffering. He probably has a window into Christ that few of us will ever get. Sitting in a prison because he refused to denounce Christ. Wow. God had to keep him humble, though. Whatever other revelations he has, and he hints, on the, hints at those earlier uh, in the book here, um, you know, being lifted to the third heaven. We don't understand or know what exactly he saw. We know he saw Jesus face to face. Maybe he saw heaven or the throne of, of God. Maybe, you know, he saw the angel. We don't know, but he refers to that. And in order to keep him humble, God allowed this thorn to be in his life. I mean, because you can imagine, he'd be a piece of work if he's like, say, how you doing? Yeah, great. Have you had a revelation lately? Oh, you haven't? Oh, I've had a lot. <laughs> Do you have time? Let me tell you, like he, it would make him puffed up if he thinks like, well, I'm the only one who has this stuff. So obviously my heart's right before God, what's wrong with yours, you know? So God gave him those special intimate times and those revelations of himself and of truth. But in order for him to be a tool now, he had to remain humble because the human heart can't handle it unless we're humble before God. Our temptation would just be to step up into pride and to look down on others. So we don't know what this thorn was exactly. Some commentators say it was a physical limitation, maybe his eyes, because uh, you know there's a note in Scripture about some from a church wanting to pull out their eyes and give them to Paul as if that would help him, but such a longing. So there was something. Maybe that was related to the revelation that he had on the Damascus Road, because you know he was blind for three days and then he was healed. Maybe it was something related to his eyes. Maybe it was something physical. Maybe it was an adversary of the gospel. Some commentators believe that, that it was a person. But we don't know for sure. What we do know for sure that's very clear in Scripture is that it was an annoyance to Paul, and he didn't like it. He wanted it gone. Can you relate? <laughs> a thorn that's just annoying and constant and daily, and you don't want it there anymore. It was causing him to feel very weak in his flesh very humble. So we're not immune. We're not immune to what Paul was going through. We have our own thorns. A lot of them are typical, typical hardships, but sometimes unique challenges that maybe are unique to us. But some of those typical ones, you know, job stress. Do you ever feel stressed at work? You think, oh, I'll, do, I'll be the business owner, then I can call the shots. Do you think that's less stress or more stress than being an employee? It's funny how you can kind of win until you're in both roles. You go, oh, Oh, being in charge, oh, being an employee under stupid rules that you don't agree with, or why is he so difficult, or why is he demanding, why do I have to hit those numbers? He doesn't get it. Oh, man, he's, a, you know, he's just iron-fisted. Well, there's stress either way. Working in this world creates stress. Then you lose your job. Does that create stress? Then you get a job that's 90 minutes commute one way in good traffic. Does that create stress? Oh, it's a better job, better pay. Now I've got to travel twice as much. Does that create stress? Accidents that happen in all kinds of ways. Automobile accidents, the stress that can create, and that's not even if you're not injured. The bullying that can go on at school, school stress, trying to please a coach or a teacher or to get noticed by someone at school. 
Children, any parents out there? They're awesome. They can create stress too. Children, do you have any parents that create stress in your life? <laughs> right, it goes both ways. Just like this life can have its thorns, its issues. I mean, there can be more severe ones, addictions, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, painkiller addiction. It started out so innocent. I mean, it was just to relieve the pain and then the person became so dependent and it's, it's an issue in their life. It's, it's, it's a thorn. It's not going away. They don't have an easy solution. Cutting that goes on. Suicide. Depression. Dealing with whatever illness. Lyme disease. Fibromyalgia. Autoimmune disorders. Cancer. I mean, you name it, right? Is this world full of trouble like Jesus said? Sure. You know, we all usually have one thing or another or a variety pack. And sometimes when one thing gets solved, it's like whack-a-mole, right? These are, bam, that one's done. I'm like, oh, great, we sold the house, fine. And then, well, the issue with a loved one. Oh, well, now we got to deal with that. Oh, well, just, okay, that's solved. And then work over here. Oh, that's great. Well, then now I got to deal with, you know, a bum leg and something's going on. I don't even know what that is. And then that's, and then I'm discouraged because at work and I'm feeling depressed. And I just, like, well, which one and when? And then there's family or extended family tensions, We all can relate, right? Jesus said, it's not a matter of whether you'll have trouble. It's if you look to the one who is overcome. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I'm beyond those troubles. I ride above all of that in this world or in your world. I see what's going on. I have a plan and a purpose, but I'm above it all and I can help you in it all. You know, even myself personally, you know, all that stuff that I read, Probably um, 75% of it has happened, you know, in my lifetime with my family or extended family. It's like big stuff. And some of it gets solved and some of it feels like maybe it'll be a lifetime of trying to work out that weird family tension over issues or lifestyles. And you go, wow, Lord, that may or may not get solved until heaven. I remember this last year losing a brother, losing a dog, you know, don't get fooled by the fancy shoes. I'm just kidding. They're not fancy. I probably need new ones. Sometimes they get, you know, they, they get worn out at the heel and you get little pebbles in there and they shake. I, could, I thought it was my shoelace for a while, but it was a little pebble right in. Anyway, my other shoes. Anyway, you know, don't get fooled because sometimes people think like, oh, you're in ministry. Oh, I mean, you have such a, you know, strong connection with God and you studied it and you know the Bible so well. I mean, you kind of live in it a lot and it's like, that doesn't make me, look at the apostle Paul. It's like, whoa, look at that list. Did God forget about Paul? Did God not love Paul? Of course not. He loved him dearly like he loves you and me. You know, dealing with migraines is no fun. If you're a migraine sufferer, it's minor for me. It's minor compared to what some people deal with. I mean, they go hours, lose their sleep, get nauseous. They can't function at work. I can usually get rid of a migraine in an hour or two. Well, yeah, but I'd love them not to be there. But okay, so if I have to deal with it, I have to deal with it. Makes you feel weak. Do you ever feel, have an illness you don't want to like tell people because you're like, well, they'll judge me or they'll make me feel weak or I want them to think like I, I'm perfectly healthy in every area. I don't struggle with a thing. Nope, how about you? Great. How you doing? Good. Fun. Like for some reason, we have trouble letting people in on the real us, the real situation. And we have those HIPAA laws for a reason, I guess, you know, out there, but we want to play, have the HIPAA laws with even Christians and everyone else. Like they won't really know well, then we don't really become known. We don't really become loved just the way we are. 
And that's what the human hearts needs. We get that from God, but then we hide and mask up around others. So, you know, we're also dealing with like the uh, ENS. Anyone else deals with that? Deal with that? Empty nest syndrome. So our kids are grown and out and we have the dog. Because, but now it's just Julie and I. It's an interesting adjustment. And that's not because we are perfect parents and had the perfect family. We just always want joy around the house. And where'd all the joy go? It's like, no, there was struggle. There are issues. There are a bunch of sinners under one roof. Anyone else relate? That's six sinners and a sinner dog sometimes. It gets in the trash. And that's reality. And we work with each other and love each other and grow. And God's helping us. But then it's real quiet when they all leave. And you have to adjust. And how much do you contact them? And do we text them or do we call? Do we get together? It's an adjustment. And you go like, oh, that Gordy, come on, that's not a thorn. No, it's just life, though. It makes you feel weak as a parent. Like, how much do we share? Do we, do we help? Do we offer help? Do we hold back? Do you, you're just, you're adjusting. And then, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that past 25, you're kind of on the slide. You're on the downhill slide in terms of your body. You got to do a little bit more to keep your svelte stealth, st- self going, right? Svelte self. Say that three times fast. It's more work to maintain, and you can't even maintain, and you feel like you're losing your grip. And okay, but again, then all those other things that can happen, and troubles, and situations, and addiction issues, and you just go, okay. No one gets a free pass, and no one skates through this earthly experience unscathed. We'd all agree, right? Okay. I laid out the bad news, if you will. I laid out the reality because the cure doesn't make sense unless we know we're sick, unless we know we have thorns, unless we're willing to admit hardship and suffering and sorrow or, and, uh, yeah, whatever's going on that's difficult. But once we do, and we can say we have those weaknesses, then God can move in and bring us his strength and his help. It reminds us of our humanness. Sometimes we want to feel like we're, what's the word? Be kind of beyond weakness that we're, we've figured out life, we've lived long enough, we've got a handle, we can pull ourselves up, our own bootstraps, we're self-sufficient. No, we were designed by God to be dependent on Him and dependent on one another. So our limitations, which cause us to feel vulnerable, are there on purpose with a purpose. It's so that You don't have to pretend and I don't have to pretend that we're much further down the road than we are or that our life doesn't have that many thorns or everything's happy town in our lives and family. No, it just draws us closer to God and our need for him and one another. He's hardwired into us this need to be in deep relationship, to belong and to be loved. It's hardwired into you, whether you've ever faced that or admitted that to yourself or to anyone else or not. But when you start to relax, saying, yeah, I'm weak. I mean, look at Paul, what he's boasting about. He's just like, you want to know the truth? Here, I'll give you a whole page (laughs) of things that I face, but I find Christ in the midst of that. Is that a welcome message to some other human being in your life? That you have hard things and you're not just whining and complaining about it all the time. You just say, that's the reality, but I'm looking to Christ. This is really hard. Would you go to Christ with me? Would you pray with me? Would you join me in calling out to the Lord? Because yeah, that's what I'm facing right now. Or it's a sin and struggle, or it's an issue that isn't going away, and I need to be dependent on God and with others. 
So it's built in, it's hardwired into the way God designed us so that we're set up for community with him, his Holy Spirit, and others that love Christ. It's all a big setup so that we can have the best thing in life, and that's real heart-to-heart relationships and love flowing between us and others, even as we're receiving that from the Lord every day. We all deal with weakness and thorns. Secondly, though, then we should all go to God for help. We should always plead with God for help. That's what Paul's saying he did. How many times did he do it? Do you think he was unclear the first time with God when he asked to have the thorn removed? Yes or no? Do you think Paul like said the wrong thing? Or, and even if he did, do you think God knew what he was really on his heart? Why did he have to repeat it? Why a second time? Why a third time? There's something about repeating a need before the God who can help you or can deliver you that keeps you in a humble place and reminds you where your help really is from. And when you have to ask an additional time, it keeps you from being a spoiled child. Now we do that, if you're a parent, you do that with kids. Like if they just go, well, I want it and I want it now. What would you do as a good loving parent? You'd go, no, not right now. We'll do that in a little bit. We're going to finish eating. <laughs> you know, we're going to, you're going to go make your bed. You're going to go do this. Or no, we're not ready to go yet. And you build in maturity as they're capable in every age and season and chapter of their life. What does God do with us? What if he answered every time we were demanding and we were hurt and we were frustrated, we said, hey, God, fix this, take this. I think we'd become spoiled and pretty soon we'd start thinking, wait a minute, maybe we're running heaven. Maybe God actually is my bellhop. Maybe I have it better figured out than he does because every time I ask and I do it my way, I'm designing my future and my destiny. And it's like, you've heard that phrase, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Anyway, um, you know, it's like, no, he's the one, he's God. He's the one with the plan. He knows what's best for us. He knows where we need to mature, where we need to wait. He knows the beauty of the character development when we keep asking and the Lord has us depend on him and has us wait. You know, in Hebrews 4, it says we're supposed to come to the throne of grace in our time of need, right? You've heard that. In our time of need, we can call out on him who gives us grace. Now, it's interesting that the author didn't choose to say the throne of power, the, the throne of glory, the throne of sovereignty, and all those are true too. In our time of need, the thing that matters most, I think, is that we're going to get grace from God, not get blasted by his power. That we're, we're like invited to come and find tender mercies every morning. When Jesus said, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will lecture you. No, he said, I will give you rest for your soul. He knows what we need. He emphasizes this throne of grace because when we're tied up and frustrated, we know sin gets involved in all that too. The thorns bugging me and I said this to someone, I smacked him and I just, even emotionally, not physically, hopefully. But whatever, and you just, you know, sin gets tied into all that and just like, oh, how do I even talk to God because I'm kind of part of the problem. And, and do you ever get there? So when you come to him, you need to know that grace is going to flow down from your heavenly father and cover your part in it, their part in it, the fact that the thorn is just really causing pain. The throne of grace. James 4 says, we don't have because we don't ask. So he welcomes us to come and keep asking. First Thessalonians talks about, in Colossians talks about praying continually. It should be like breathing. It should be really natural, just from the gut. Just Jesus, help me. Oh man, I'm going to this meeting. Oh Lord, help me have 
Patience. Last time, I lost my cool. I got really frustrated. Or would you give me patience for the situation at home or with a spouse or with a child or with a whoever? God, would you give me forgiveness? Lord, would you give me strength? God, pour out your grace. I need new mercies, not only in the morning, but about 11 o'clock, 12, 15, 1, 35, on the highway, when I get home, when I'm going to sleep and I can't get to sleep because I keep thinking, mercies, 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 the throne of grace, they flow. We're supposed to pray continually that we would receive continually. People in the Old Testament, they won the temple, was in existence, they were coming to pray, 9 and 12 and 3. Why? <laughs> Probably can't go much more than about three hours without talking to God. How about you? I think I need it more than that. But they had times where they came together corporately in the prayer closet and they'd come together. That's why we have Saturday morning prayer for the guys. That's why we have Sunday night, five to six. You come and you pray at home and you pray with your spouse and you pray with a friend and you seek God, you know, alone and then together in small groups and you come corporately and there's this ebb and flow, this breathing of prayer that's very natural. It's us calling out on the name of the Lord. It's us knowing that our heart is beating with the, the heartbeat of God. And we're pleading with him. Like the Apostle Paul, and there'll be times where you just keep pleading and keep pleading. And the Lord then says, I'm going to give you grace. So that's a win-win. It's pretty awesome. Now you, let me ask you a question. When you leave the house, you usually grab probably your wallet, your purse, your keys, and your... Right? No one in their right mind would ever leave the house with only 56% battery life, right? <laughs> would you ever do that? You would be close to insane to ever leave your house with less than 100%. Oh, I didn't charge my phone. And then you got to plug in on the car. The car ride's not really long enough. And oh, you forgot your charger and it's here. And one of the kids has it. Who stole it? Where, I, where, where do our chargers go, right? <laughs> so the best way to solve that so you stay sane is get about a 20-pack every month. And everyone can use them and just don't even go there. Charge your phones. Okay. Not so you live with your phone as an attachment, <laughs> okay, everywhere you go. I'm just saying it's if you want to do what you need to do with your job and stay connected with family and whatnot. Okay. Why do we want to go out not prayed up? Spiritual batteries low if even existent. 5%. We'll go into our day. I'll ask you. That'll last me. Last you about 10 seconds. You get to your car and you'll see there's a new ding on your door. And there goes the 5%. You're just not prepared without prayer. You're not ready for those thorns and issues and stuff that you know may not go away today. And they may come on and you may get another heaping or another issue might join the parade in your life. And so you go, Lord, I need 100%. I need to be prayed up. I need to be going to you. I need to just see this is way more natural. Way more natural. I'm thirsty. I'm going to hmm, think about it for a half hour. You're going to get some water. You're thirsty, you get water. You're hurting. You got a thorn. It got deeper. You got a little blood on it. You're going to go bring it to God and plead, right? That issue, that person, that thing, my sin, my guilt, the wound, it's just, you just go to God more and you find his grace more. He said he'll either deliver you or give you sufficient grace. He went, Paul went to the, the, fa went to the father three times. He, he pleaded. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. You will either get a deliverance from it or you'll get sufficient grace to cover you in it. 
It'll either be taken from you or you might, it might remain, but you'll have the strength of God now to handle it. And that's the third point. We will experience God's deliverance or his sufficient grace. It's a win-win for the believer. Whenever there's a thorn that God allows in our life or a variety pack, it's to keep us humble and weak, entirely dependent on God. He sees the bigger picture. He's doing character shaping in your heart. He's wanting to, for you to depend on him like a father, not a bellboy. He wants relationship more than anything else with you. He is not satisfied with you with a list and him as the provider. He is a good God. He provides all good things. He wants you first. And so often it just takes years to learn it. But then you know what? Then it, sometimes you're like, well, if that remains, that's okay because Jesus has been so tender to me. He's given me such strength in this. I don't know if I ever would have prayed so much if I didn't have this cancer issue or this personal issue or this own weakness. I don't know if I would have gone to him as much, but I have, and boy, my relationship with God is at another level. And I'm actually able to relate to people. And they're able to relate to me more because I'm opening up with my vulnerabilities and my weakness. So they're, they're actually much more comfortable with me because I'm a real human, not a pretend one that just slaps Jesus on everything and I'll be fine and smile and say the right thing at the right time. You actually are experiencing Christ and so you can share what you're encountering and experiencing. And that's huge. His power will be made perfect in your weakness. If he doesn't completely deliver you, and sometimes he does, then he will make his power more perfect and more sufficient in your life. He wants to manifest himself in you and through you. How he does that in this chapter of your life is up to him, right? Just ask him to help you see how that works. Get his sufficient grace and his strength now. What a contrast. God's sufficient, almighty strength and the weakness of humanity. But he invites us to come. So how do we do it real practically? We're going to end here. Just very, very basic, okay? Humble yourself before God and let him know what the thorns are. Humble yourself before God. Just talk to him. Just let him know. You don't have to be scared of saying anything. He knows it anyway. But you're just, you're actually having a dialogue. The Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will remind you you're loved, even as you're confessing or you're identifying things. Just acknowledge him. Get him, get him up and get him out and just lift him to him, right? Do that each day. Because I'm guessing they're not going away all in a day and new ones come the next day. They just come and go. There's an ebb and flow. There are things you can always talk to God about that are troubling you. And then ask God for his deliverance or his strength in the weakness. Ask for God's deliverance. Be bold and ask. And if he doesn't deliver right then, or it's a little more waiting, or he just gives you strength, you win either way. And your intimacy with God grows. To end with, I want to, uh, I want to read some promises over you that'll be, I pray, like a blanket of his love that will wrap you up and pull you close to your father's heart and hold you and lift you, okay? You'll see how they relate. So just go ahead, close your eyes. Hear these is from the heart of your heavenly father and your brother Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Here are his promises, his blanket of promises around you. Psalm 31 and 34. Be gracious to me, O Lord, 
For I am in distress, my eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing, my strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. But the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. James 4, God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. From the Psalms, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Deuteronomy 33. There is none like you, O God, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 34, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Okay, you can open your eyes. Do you feel blanketed in his love? Those are awesome promises. Could you picture them? Could you picture what's going on in the heavenlies? Because you're crying out as a humble son or daughter of the king. And your heavenly father who holds all things in this world and in your world in his loving hands and never takes his eye off of you ever. Could you feel it? Could you see it? Do you want to walk in it this week? Then just keep humbling yourself before the Lord, just giving him the thorns, talking it out, pleading with him day in, day out, just moment by moment, whenever you need a sufficient strength. And that's probably a lot for all of us. And then to see him deliver you either out of the situation or in it with new and greater strength 
and more humility, that Christ would increase, you decrease, and in the process, you get filled with his joy. A couple of reflection questions. These, are, these go out now every week on our e-bulletin. They're on the website as well. Or you can try to scribble them on your hand real quick. What prevents you from acknowledging your weakness, hurts, needs, or frustrations to God and asking him for more grace and strength? It's really good to dig deep on this. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. And secondly, with whom can you humble yourself by sharing a struggle, fear, or weakness in order to receive prayer, comfort, and community? Open up. Open up to a friend in Christ, a spouse. Open up to your life group. We were designed to be dependent on God and one another. That we would find his strength. Every day.